Welcome to the BDC Podcast, a podcast in which staff at Barking and Dagenham College share insightful and entertaining conversations with the digital learning team. We hope to enrich the community at the college by making connections in each fortnightly episode. I'm Nathan, I'm a digital learning apprentice. And I'm Sophie, I'm a digital innovation specialist. And today we're joined by Tom Mudd, English lecturer. Hi guys. Hello Tom. How's it going? This is exciting. It is exciting. I'm glad you're excited. Yeah, Yeah, in this room that uh, seems too expensive for me to be in. Yeah, uh, I don't really like to touch much in here because (laughs) I feel like something might break. Just all keep our hands down (laughs) on our laps. (laughs) Don't touch anything. So on this podcast, we ask a guest from the college to talk about a topic that they find interesting and want to share with the community. So Tom, what have you brought to talk about? Well, it was really hard trying to whittle it down, but I think the the thing that I I want to talk about and what I'm probably most well known for around the college is just geeky things like Dungeons and Dragons in particular, and uh, yeah, a little bit into some research that I'm doing as well. That's great. So um, myself and Sophie are actually part of Tom's uh, Dungeons and Dragons group um, online outside of the college i know you make it sound so like exclusive and something really yeah you should be fortunate you're like you're lucky to be part of it but yeah we've been running um a staff game now for a couple of years i think yeah that's crazy yeah and it was all because we were having a chat um it was the end of the year and we were in one of the pubs in romford oh yeah 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 and we just got um talking about it and saying uh, like you um sophie and ollie and a few others were interested in giving it a go so we organized um a few sessions when we came back after the summer break and then that all went well and then lockdown happened and we kind of had to put it on hiatus for a little while and we've started up again this year which has been fantastic it's been a lot of fun being able to to play these games with with everybody although it's a lot of work and planning and things to make sure the sessions are fun for everyone. which we're very grateful of and they're always very fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i do try I'm, I'm i put a lot into them and i want everybody to make to, i want to make sure that everybody has a good time with all of these geeky things that i do i certainly do um every two weeks on a thursday um it's been some really great stories just from the short time that I've been playing, it's always something to look forward to. So, Tom, whenever you're ready, roll initiative. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so D and D something um, or Dungeons and Dragons for the uninitiated. Um, he's something I kind of got into more while I was at uni. Um, you know, university is time for experimenting with things. I decided to experiment with tabletop role-playing games and started playing with a few of my um, housemates. It wasn't great. It was not particularly well run by the guy that was organizing it and it was a bit flaky and yeah, just not as engaging as I had hoped it would be, but it did make me think I can do better. I can, I, I can, I can do this. He's not really doing an awful lot. So then I started trying to look into running my own sessions and realized, no way, actually this is, this can be quite 
difficult to run my own sessions. So then just went back into playing with some, some other guys and it was a lot of fun. Um, and then fell out of it for a while, you know, just sort of like life gets in the way and finding like weekly or even like every fortnight, a few hours to play this game, um, was a lot. So it wasn't until just before I started working here, which is about five years ago now that I got back into it and started playing games and running games and things. And then obviously met you guys and then started hosting more regularly and trying to improve my ability to run games and tell stories. So for the listeners of the podcast who might not have played Dungeons and Dragons before, what does the average Dungeons and Dragons session look like? Okay, so uh, it's normally organized and planned by a person who is given the title of Dungeon Master or DM. They'll be the person that plans the sessions, what adventures are going to happen, can do a little bit of world building, basically creating the environment that the players are going to play in. And then you're going to have the players and each of these players will create their own characters that they will um, inhabit during the course of the sessions. They'll be the ones that they make uh, decisions for and, you know, can go and delve into dungeons in search of treasure or magical items or fighting terrible beasties and things like that. Traditionally, you'd play it all together, sort of sat around a table which is probably the nicest environment to do in because you're all together chatting and laughing and sharing snacks and stuff as you're playing this game. Obviously with COVID and things, uh, sessions have moved online. There's um, lots of programs available now where you can run sessions online, which is what we do. Um, we have our fortnightly session uh, online. It also helps as some of our players aren't local We've got some players that from Kent and stuff that join our game. The only thing you really need is a set of dice and some imagination, really. And I think that can be the thing that sort of turns people off of it. So it's, it gets a bit of a reputation. Although it's experiencing a bit of a renaissance at the moment. It's popping up in things like Stranger Things and um, the Big Bang Theory. And, you know, lots of really popular streaming services now, like Critical Role is probably the most famous one. They're, they're like Twitch's top earners. And I kind of always associated Twitch with like video games. But yeah, Critical Role have made like $10 million streaming Dungeons and Dragons last year. It was wow. mad. But um, yeah, so I, th I think some people can be turned off of the idea of it being sort of uh, high fantasy thinking of like, Oh, I don't really fancy being an elf for the next three hours or <laughs> like running around fighting goblins. It doesn't have to be like that. It's the setting that you and your players decide on. I've done games that are set in the future or set in the, uh, the modern world without any magic and monsters and stuff and more sort of like murder mystery type games. Um, and Dungeons and Dragons isn't the only Tabletop role-playing game, there's lots and lots of other ones that are available. Uh, some that use dice as their main mechanic, some that use cards. Uh, there's also some that use like a Jenga tower. And if you want to complete an action, you have to successfully pull 
a brick out of the oh, tower. Okay. So if um, you successfully do that, then your action is yes, successful. Yeah. If you knock it over, it yeah. isn't. Oh, okay. I see. Um, which is a lot of fun. And that, that's a really, that particular game set is really good for people that haven't played before yeah. and don't like the um, complication of some of the other games. It's like creating characters can be... Um, a lot of people think it's a lot of fun, but some people can find it quite tedious to have to create all these characters and things. But I love it. I love it so much. Just getting to be a massive nerd a few hours a week. Um, that escapism. And as I'm the dungeon master for our group, I get to play God and make yeah. <laughs> wonderful or terrible things happen to you guys, which is brilliant. And I think a couple of weeks ago, killed a couple of the characters which, uh, you know, was fun for me, perhaps not, not, <laughs> A very not emotional for, those, experience not for those, <laughs> those particular players, but, um, yeah. And it's, it's, I always liked seeing people getting involved and, um, as well, it doesn't have to be people getting together and putting on silly voices and doing all that, um, role play side of things it doesn't have to be that at all it should always be whatever it is that makes your players comfortable and they want to have fun so don't put anything on people that they don't want to do so in in your sessions tom it's kind of a mix of two different aspects of the game you've got the storytelling side and then you've got the kind of dice rolling combat side D&D really is kind of a variety game in that sense. Yeah, it's, um, I always try and run my games with a bit of a, a mix of that sort of role play and what your characters would do in certain situations, as well as the more action-based fight things. Um, it gives people a lot of um, agency to do things they might not normally do in real life, but without any of the real world risk um somebody that is naturally more introvert can be a really extroverted character and almost sort of experiment and feel out what it is like to to be this other person and do these other things and it can have real world impacts which i think is is really important and sort of feeds quite well into my uh study that i'm doing yeah so you're doing your your masters, your dungeon masters. My dungeon masters, as I, I've called it. Yes, I'm doing a, a, a MPhil, a Master of Philosophy in Educational Research. Um, and if people ask me, I tend to go, yeah, I'm, I'm doing it on Dungeons and Dragons. There's a lot more to the study mm. than that. Um, I'm looking at the um, way that we are shaped by stories. Human beings are shaped by stories. And how those stories help develop um, sort of real world skills and experience and things beyond just, you know, leaving college with a, a qualification and leaving with all these other skills that you can develop. And I believe that Dungeons and Dragons can help people um, develop those. So at its core, Dungeons and Dragons is storytelling. It's collaborative storytelling. You're, you're, all working together to create this story. It's like, yeah, the dungeon master might give you the structure of the world that you're in, but every action and decision that the characters take around the table help 
flesh that out and they're the ones that are existing within this world and like i said it allows them to do things that they perhaps wouldn't normally do and experiment a little bit um and there's already um stuff that suggests dungeons and dragons is really good for helping develop teamwork and empathy and collaboration and it's naturally got maths built into it because everything's about dice and like some people that think, oh, I might never have to use Pythagoras theorem ever again in my life. But then you suddenly go, right, if you want to shoot an arrow at a goblin who is 40 feet away, but elevated 20 feet up, are you in range? Suddenly you, you're using more maths. Mm, yeah. Um, and then also as an English teacher and focusing on stories, there is that creative element. And for most players that comes initially in their character design, and I know the pair of you have both created extended backstories for your characters, which is amazing. It's uh, really, really good. Yeah. Should we introduce our characters? Our so. characters. Okay, go for it. <laughs> uh, so I play as Agrian, who is a brooding old man from uh, sort of an old decrepit church and... Am I allowed to say his backstory? Yeah, go for it. Um, his his church, which is very isolated, um, is right next to this quite nice uh, developed town, which has just come across this uh, this unknown scourge of disease. And it's Agrian's role to venture out into the world, which is something he's not familiar with, and um, cooperate with people who are usually very friendly to him, but he doesn't really reciprocate. And yeah, work together to find the source of this disease my character is uh hatch she is a tiefling which is kind of like a demon and she's also uh, a keen inventor so she likes uh playing around with uh ideas and inventing things coming up with crazy concepts so she's very uh book smart but not so street smart she's a bit <laughs> naive a bit weird and a bit of a black sheep um but yeah adding all of this uh background to this character that I've made for your sessions it really makes you feel emotionally attached to them you when something yeah. good happens to hatch I feel it too when something <laughs> bad happens to hatch I I feel it as well and it, it I, I remember at one point during a session I nearly started crying because I was <laughs> like wow and so that it, it is a massive um a powerful way of telling stories together with friends it's yeah amazing. we've those those moments are what as a dm you sort of live for that the, you see your players like really invested in the story that you as a group are, are telling and so a couple of weeks ago when we did have that session where we killed some characters there there was some emotions at the table um i don't think from any of us i think we're too heartless but yeah some of our other players got a bit choked up that as their characters perished and yeah there's those elements that allow you to explore things because nathan you're a delightful young man not anything much. at all like the character that you portray who's a miserable bastard yeah i mean miserable person <laughs> keep, it, keep it pg who uh yeah who's a miserable person who just wants to set fire to things and yeah, that's been the case with a lot of situations that my character gets into. There was one a few weeks ago where uh, Tommy did a really great job of describing this. Um, it's kind of like a giant uh, swamp creature. 
Um, and Agrin just threw a fireball and just immediately started combat there. Um, <laughs> yeah, no messing around, just straight to it. But yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's what we want. Now, we I don't expect everybody that comes to the table to to be immediately as invested, especially new players. I never expect them to create this much backstory unless they wanted to. But you can go in with as much or as little as as you want and these things um shape and change and as you're playing the decisions you make can um develop so as we were going along with sophie's character hatch we got more and more glimpses into her motivations and her connections to her like we got glimpses of her family and how her family reacted to the character and yeah, you, you kind of all sort of like build this together. And then you have, even though the family might be Sophie's creation in her backstory, that then as a DM, I'm kind of puppeting them. But then you also get other players' interactions with characters that essentially you've created. Yeah. And how they might react to things. And it's interesting to sort of see, to have that separation of, okay, well, me as the person, me, Tom, would do this thing, but my character of Gilbert, he he would not do those things. Gilbert is very different to Tom. So, yeah, Gilbert might be six foot four, as I'm five foot seven if I gel my hair up. So, <laughs> you know, very different experiences. And, yeah, I, th I, think I think there's a lot to be said for story, just in general, and uh, how important... It is from, you know, the moment we're born, we're telling stories and listening to stories and absorbing, absorbing stories and, um, you know, stories shape society. Folklore has filled in gaps where science didn't have answers for so long. Um, so much we do is, is sharing tales and we want it, we want our stories to be told and um, things like that. And I think Dungeons and Dragons gives you an experience in telling stories and living a story for a few hours a week that you wouldn't normally get. And I think especially for our young people, our 16 to 18 year old students that I teach, having that opportunity, that sort of creative outlet where there is no lasting effect of anything that they do. If their character, even if it comes to the worst and their character dies, they make a new character and they start again. So they can sort of do what they want and with any luck as well as a, a GCSE teacher this um sort of experience with creativity will really play into their uh the creative writing elements of their um GCSE and I use a lot of Dungeons and Dragons resources when I'm, I'm teaching my lessons as well get students sat in the classroom rolling dice as they create characters that they're going to put in their GCSE exams because it's, I mean, it makes it enjoyable and it, it helps them. There's a lot of people that think they aren't creative or they can't be creative. And sometimes it's just finding the right outlet and, and giving them perhaps a, a, few, a bit more structure by using like rolling dice and using tables. And then suddenly they find out, you know what, actually I can create, I've created this whole person that has this whole backstory and all these motivations and things they want to achieve. And these are the people they like. These are the people they hate. And that's all come off of like 10 minutes sat down with a piece of paper and a dice. 
so when I when I started playing at university, I as a player, and I just had my um my character, and um it's really common for people that start off and want to and choose to do silly voices to to do uh how would you say it? like over exaggerated common accents so when i first started playing i thought okay my guy's got to have a funny accent so i did an an over exaggerated sort of russian accent for my character and it was really firstly it was a bad accent secondly it's really hard to maintain that accent for hours at end um so that was like one difficulty and then i being a creative person i had i was one of those people that went into like um lots of detail with backstory i arrived at my first session with like two a4 pages of right this is my character this is his entire backstory this is everything that you're going to need to know to run every session about him and things like that and my dungeon master the guy that was running the the thing at the time wasn't particularly invested in any of that from anybody's perspective even his own he didn't put in a lot of effort to stuff he just wanted to he just wanted to focus on the combat side of things which isn't in itself bad there are lots of people that that's what they get out of the game and that's fantastic but for me i quite like the storytelling side of it the role-playing side of it um like i like the combat as well but i like being able to have those moments of you know your character talking to somebody else and like you would in real life and seeing where that story goes do they end up becoming best friends or do they actually secretly hate each other and are plotting each other's downfall and um yeah there was there was like none of that and i kind of thought oh i can do this better and so then i started looking around and it can be really intimidating i think if there is anybody listening that wants to have a go at these games i think it is worth trying to find somebody that is willing to show you a game and i suppose an advert an advert for myself if anybody wants to play a game get in contact with me and i will be able to host introductory games um but that is a bet i think that is a better way to learn because um so nathan you're i think was that the first time you'd ever played dungeons and dragons was with us it's the first time i've ever played a tabletop rpg right so and and you've been playing ever since and this was months ago now yeah but i think if i had just come into the office and I'd given you the rule books, you would have said, no, thanks. I'm all right. I don't want to play that because the rule book is considerable, but you don't have to sort of play by the rules. So the line from Pirates of the Caribbean, the guidelines rather than actual rules um, is the way I sort of see it. And then you can just sort of like play around and mess with things and do stuff you think is, is cool. So when I when I was having the the poor DM experience and I thought, yeah, I can do better, I was the person that went out and I got the books and looked at them and thought, oh God, no, I don't want to do this. I was I was intimidated by the amount of things that I thought I had to learn. Turns out you don't have to learn those things. Um I later found a better game to play with while I was at university. And it was a completely different experience. I had a, a DM that was a bit more switched on to the kind of things that I enjoyed out the game. Um, and it was brilliant. And he was the one that sort of showed me that 
you can run your games, you can create these worlds and things, but you don't have to know every single rule in the book um, memorized and things like that. You can just wing it on the day and it's up to you how much of those rules you want to use and you can create your own world and own systems and things like that and showed me that it can be a lot more fluid than it had been in my initial games and then yeah i sort of like was was bitten by the bug i mean i'm massively nerdy anyways it wouldn't have taken a lot i've been playing like tabletop games since i was like 11 um i think it was only a, a short like nudge into playing rpgs like dungeons and dragons and things um but then yeah like life kind of got in the way um and stopped playing for a while um lived in australia for a while and didn't really have a, a group or anything out there and then came back and did my teacher training started working here and started it all up again yeah it's great and tom you've been a brilliant dm so <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> thank have. you because um it's i think like you're you said. obliged to say that because otherwise i will kill your character <laughs> no, <Hatch>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i it was the first time I played Dungeons and Dragons and I, of course, had no idea what I was doing for a lot of it. But now, you know, months later, through your help and through the help of the other people who play, I now have a, a little bit of an idea <laughs> of what I'm doing. Uh, but yeah, it's great just learning new ways of doing things and um, in-game just finding new ways of playing in combat or communicating with people. And I enjoy just the simple act of clicking for a dice roll there's <laughs> a lot of satisfaction in that or, or if we ever get back around a table we can have everyone around the table the little click clacking noise of the dice in your hands before you roll them it's oddly satisfying i've got way too many dice i've got like 40 or so in my bag right now <laughs> <laughs> i always carry them with me because you never know when you're going to need them <laughs> especially in a lesson just do things on a wing and a prayer Amazing. We're going to go to a lunch break now. So in this section of the podcast, we ask our guests to talk about their favourite snack, dessert or meal or any food in general, really. So, Tom, what is your favourite food? So when when we first got in contact about doing the podcast and I was thinking, like, I've got to do talk about some food stuff. I was like, well, that's not going to be hard. I mean, anybody that sort of knows me or has seen me around the college I'm never very far away from like a bottle of Pepsi Max or some sort of fizzy drink because I'm fairly certain I'm addicted um, but then in listening to uh, the one you did with Andy and he was talking about the, the Kinder Bueno and how even though it was something he really really enjoyed he didn't have it very often that made me think of my sort of like special treat that I don't overindulge in pickled, on pickled onion flavoured monster munch very nice Ooh. yeah i absolutely love them but they do smell pretty horrific and <laughs> yeah so i don't overindulge for a couple of reasons first like they're, they're special i don't want to over and do overdo anything like too much of anything is, is bad but also nobody else might like them <laughs> they do they do pong a bit so like I, I will often wait till i'm the only one in the house or in the office and then i was like crack open a sneaky packet of uh, pickled onion flavoured monster munch I love them so much when I was living in Australia I got my mum to ship some over to me wow. you, they don't have them in Australia they, well they you, you can get them from shops that sell British stuff 
but you're right. paying through the nose for it and it was like something ridiculous like seven or eight dollars for a packet of crisps and i was like i really want them but not that much so yeah i got my mum to ship some over to me and it was amazing luckily they didn't burst or anything on the way over with all the other stuff that she sent me because then i just everyone everything would have just stunk and you know <laughs> sniffer dogs would have been going crazy and and things like that but they made it intact and um yeah oh they were amazing how many did she send over I'm like, curious, like, like it was a box it was the sort of boxes that you see in like corner shops and, oh, and things yeah, like yeah. that I don't um, know why I was imagining like a whole plane load <laughs> so much <laughs> but that's it and like I mean I don't often want to share them but even if I would I don't think anybody would indulge I let my um, young cousins in Australia try them and they were horrified that we really? consider or I certainly considered it a, a delicacy I was like these are amazing and they were couldn't believe what I'd done to them it's like you made me eat this it's like yeah yeah i did because they're gorgeous but yeah so that's like my my perfect snack it's pickled onion monster munch um then i suppose like food in general i i pretty much eat everything except eggs more out of choice than anything i just don't i don't like them yeah I, they're fine as an ingredient but i wouldn't eat like an egg on its own but then I, um, I suppose in terms of cuisine, I really like Thai food. Mm. It's really, really good. Um, there's lots of local Thai restaurants that I would go to or get takeaway from. and was lucky enough to, to spend about a month or so in Thailand. Um, but in an effort to sort of save money while we we're out there, we did spend about three weeks eating the exact same meal every single day. So that we could have more money for things like a tower of beer, and <laughs> or doing activities and and things like that. So, but luckily enough, even eating the same Thai meal every single day for like three weeks wasn't enough to to turn me off the food. I think that's like my favorite cuisine. What's your favorite Thai dish? I mean, I I could go classic. I do just I do like the the curries the various colorful curries the red curries yellow curries green curries um also partial to a massaman it's not particularly um fancy out there thai food but it's it's really nice massaman curry's got sort of potato in it and peanuts and things like that it's really nice it's not too spicy as well so it's kind of if i'm introducing other people to thai food i'll go well this isn't too spicy it's not going to blow your head off like some of the other things but um yeah i think i think there's often times where i'll go go into a restaurant and i sort of think oh i should be using this opportunity to have something a bit fancier but i really fancy a green curry but yeah i think you can't go too wrong with with one of the curries just going back to you um living in australia for a while what yes. is the, what is the classic aussie snack I mean, they were appalled <laughs> by the Monster Munch. What would what what Australian people say? Um, I don't know. I, they eat all kinds of weird and wonderful things out there. So I was I used to live in Melbourne, and um, their sort of like local dish was a, a chicken palmy, and it's like a, a, a chicken escalop. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, with 
like a tomato sauce, ham, and then melted cheese. And that was kind of like the dish of Melbourne for reasons. Um, it sounds so, good. <laughs> so yeah, we used to get that um, quite a lot. And um, so I used to work on uh, building sites and things while I was out there. And we'd often find ourselves in like fish and chip shops and things like that. And um, lots of people would get sort of like pies and sausage rolls. And then they'd take the ketchup and it had one of those sort of like pointed nozzles. And they would push the nozzle into the pie or into the sausage roll and then squirt the ketchup directly inside the pastry. Yeah, so Sophie's doing the reaction that I had when I first <laughs> yeah, it. I was like, what are you doing? That's kind of genius though, It right? is. But I was like, I can't believe I'm like in my 20s and this is the first time I've seen it. It makes so much more sense because you're not... If you were to cover a sausage roll and ketchup on the outside, you're going to make a mess of yourself. It's going to get everywhere. So you put the nozzle between the, the lattice of the pastry and fire the ketchup right down there. That's amazing. It, yeah. <laughs> but it blew my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very, very easily pleased. I'm going to give that a go next time I have a sausage roll. Uh, yeah, and I got, uh, got to try crocodile while I was out there and kangaroo and um, some other stuff. Their chocolate's terrible out there for some reason it's just not great they put marshmallow in a lot of their chocolate don't know why um but yeah like i, I do miss i do miss those pies and chicken palmies from my days in melbourne okay lunch break's over thank you tom i honestly <laughs> just love listening to you talk about D&D partly because I also enjoy it <laughs> but you, just the way you explain about storytelling and stuff it's, I think it's really interesting I have loads of questions so I'm going to start off with what is the most memorable D&D moment that you have been involved in that you can remember um oh there's been there's been a few which is weird in an in and of itself because we are talking about characters that we've all made up doing make-believe things that we've just had to picture in our heads and imagine but it's weird how it sticks with you it's like i it's not so much mm. oh do you remember that time that you pretended this happened you talk about it do you remember this time i did this i was there when that happened which i think is really sort of profound and speaks to like the storytelling nature of of this and um you're always going to get sort of like uh epic combat moments where somebody rolls the right dice at the right time and things but i sometimes it's the really silly things that stick with me so in one session that the pair of you were a part of um i gave you the option of what did what do your characters want to do today like they've got the day to themselves where do they want to travel to next fully expecting you guys to continue with sort of like the the mission threads that I'd been giving you. You decided, no, characters are going to go shopping. <laughs> and I have not prepared for this. So I very quickly had to create a scenario where, whoa, your characters are going into a town. And as you're walking by, you see this uh, beautiful two-story um, building. And you can see that it's got um, various colorful banners outside. And you can see that it's a shop and you head inside and you're greeted by the shop manager. And I made up a name for him probably off the top of my head or had one of those fancy name generators and welcomes you to his shop and says, how can I help you today? 
and then Sophie's character Hatch decided that she was going to pick up I think it was you were just going okay so Hatch picks up this thing hey what's this how much is this and I had no idea of what this shop sold at the time <laughs> and how much things were so I had to desperately open all these other tabs on my window and was just randomly like typing in like shop item generator and just oh well that is a uh, hat of vermin which is an actual thing in D and D, and well, that will that will set you back two hundred gold pieces. And instead of sort of committing to anything, Sophie's character was like, "Okay, I put that down. I pick this up. How much is this?" Oh, oh no! <laughs> so having to start the process over and over again, and that kind of kept happening. But with everybody, everyone was kind of doing that thing. I th it was almost like you could see me floundering to make up a story and we're just going, right, Tom's like on the back foot. Let's just throw random things in it. So, and then one of the other players, his character bought a pet rock and decided to name it and was going to love it forever and ever. And I had to create that this guy sold pet rocks for some reason. Um, and I think it's, it's those sort of, sillier moment another moment as well again that well certainly Sophie you were part of Nathan I think this might have been before you joined the group where the party had to sneak into a warehouse which was currently occupied by a, a gang of smugglers and managed to sort of surround it but before you could all sneak in one of the smugglers stepped out of the warehouse i think so you jumped him killed him and then ran inside and just murdered everybody else in this sort of blur of combat but then it was well, well now what your character is going to do afterwards you're stood in this warehouse surrounded by the dead bodies of all of these smugglers what are you going to do and one of our other players who also works at the college uh, had the idea that uh, you're going to put these bodies in some nearby barrels. But the barrels weren't that big and just desperately trying to um, hide the crimes that you committed. It's just a wonderful insight into these people. You see what I mean? You see <laughs> what I mean about like, yeah, D&D gives you an opportunity to do things you wouldn't normally do, like murder lots of people and try and hide the bodies in, in barrels. Um <laughs> And it didn't go very well because um, you couldn't fit the bodies in the barrel. So they were just kind of like sticking out of the top and thinking that you'd done a good enough job. The party decided to leave. And then um, later on, this same co-worker of ours that had tried to hide the bodies later imitated the person he'd killed. But oh, had, yeah. but somebody else had already already had already found the body. And it was like, why are you pretending to be somebody that's that's dead and you all got found out and then more chaos ensued? And I think it, it I think it's those bits. Those bits are the ones that stick with you, the things that don't go to plan and get a bit silly. There's gonna be sort of the emotional moments of of seeing characters die or having particularly exciting combats. But yeah, I'd I'll take this moment to ask you two a question. What moments have stuck with you two of playing D D? It doesn't have to be a game with me. <laughs> so mine is a fairly recent one. 
we had a combat scenario where um, citizens who had been uh, infected in this um, in this building, and uh, they were all pouring out of the windows. And in this combat scenario, we had to um, just pacify them and not kill them. Um, and as we were all setting up, preparing for the uh, oncoming waves of these infected citizens, uh, Agrian, my character, had the idea to cast a web over the front door. Um, and I believe that was a pretty great help. It was a great help because as as the DM, I had planned for a lot of these infected people to come flooding out the front door of this uh, building that they were being held in and just cause absolute chaos for you because you ha- you'd had that that moment of inspiration that you were going to effectively block the door without even knowing what was going to happen what was going to come out and yet it definitely it it changed the whole story that one little action changed the whole story of how the rest could have got i was hoping to kill a few more of you <laughs> <laughs> I think that sticks out as my favorite just because it was a moment where um, I've been playing the game for a while and I was beginning to feel a bit more confident with what I could do with it. And I just thought, you know, I can use this. I can give that a go. Um, so, yeah, I was just learning how the game's played and using a bit of ingenuity and it paid off really well. My character was a hero at the end of the session, which is yeah. unusual. Which, which in was case. interesting for the character because he's not used to that kind of Absolutely. Positive attention because he has a quite negative projected attitude on, on the world, which was. And instantly it went back to the storytelling side of things just from that combat scenario we were in. Sophie, how about you? Um, now I've had many good moments with you as a DM, Tom, <laughs> but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about something that happened with my friends. Um, so I was pretty new to playing D&D, so it was a little bit out of my comfort zone. Um, and we were fighting a dragon, of course. Um, and the DM gave this situation where the, the dragon is flying away. Um, are you going to do anything to stop it? And the more confident players were talking up like, we, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. I'm going to try and do this. And uh, the DM was like, no, Sophie, what does your character want to do? Because I think I was quite quiet. I didn't really know what to do. Um, so I cast a spell. I cast Moonbeam. Um, and uh, it, I had to roll the dice. Uh, I rolled it. It landed on a 20, um, but it was on the edge of the table. Uh, so it was nearly falling off. And in that moment, like, I was like, I-, I jumped up and I was screaming. I was like, oh my God, wow, like, I've taken down a dragon. Like, it, it was so surreal and weird because it's, it's not real, but in the moment, it feels so real. And to have that moment of not feeling too sure of myself and not feeling so super confident and then having something like that happen, it was like, okay, wow, yeah, I can do this I can like be a part of this this game and this story and I just kind of wanted to talk about that really like D&D as a confidence builder um have you had much experience with people you've playing with like does it bring them out of their shell be, like being someone else yeah it it can do um but I don't think it should ever be anything that's like forced I'd never put that on anybody mm-hmm. but yes yeah, certainly and it has with with me, I, I've um, struggled with anxiety for for years now, and I still get nervous standing in front of a class, which is an occupational hazard as a teacher. But you you learn you learn to cope with it, and um, 
yeah, D&D can be that sort of occasion where you can sort of push that comfort zone a little bit in what is effectively a safe space. There's not, you're not going to be judged for it because everybody's doing the same thing. And, um, I suppose as well, I, I, I try and sort of like lead by example as, as a DM, I, as you guys know, I'm, I'm partial to a silly voice because it helps differentiate characters. Certainly for me, when you guys only have one character to worry about, I have to be everybody else in the world that you ever come in contact with. Um, so sometimes the, the voices can, uh, help with that, but also a sort of like a little thing like, look, we're all being silly. We're just having a laugh. It's, it doesn't need to be, you don't have to have a perfect like Cornish accent. You can just do silly voices and it's, it's fine. But then you, uh, nobody's under any obligation to do anything they don't want to do. But I have seen players that, you know, their confidence is being built as it's that, um, almost taking on some of the attributes of the characters that they play as. It's like, right. Okay. In D and D, my, character is sort of like the the face man he's the charismatic guy that flirts with all the barmaids and you know talks his way out of trouble and maybe i can take an element of him into my day-to-day life um yeah i, I mean i i think it's i think it's great for a lot of reasons and i'm going to be biased but yeah definitely it can it can really help with things like confidence and as part of the reason that i'm using it for this this study um yeah, obviously with any study, things can go an unexpected way and I might not find any of the results that I would like to see, but that's that's the nature of studies. It might not be what I want it to be, but it is what it is. How about the impact it has on your learners? Um, they seem to enjoy it. I think even just as a breakaway from, you know, some it's always good to mix up what you do um, in lessons and, you know, teaching English as well can be a lot of sort of like writing and, and things like that. So breaking away from that and getting to roll some dice and creating these characters. And it's, it's always interesting that you see them get sort of more and more into it. Initially, if I, I would hand out this sheet, which kind of has sort of like the blank, like a bare outline of a, a human with some questions around them, like, what's your character's name like what color, what colors their hair what how many brothers and sisters do they have and what do they want to achieve and you can give that blank canvas to somebody and they get intimidated by it because it's almost sort of like analysis paralysis there's too many choices they don't know what to do so then i present them with these tables taken out of the dungeons and dragons book and it's like right okay well here's some dice roll the dice and see what you get see what character you create and then they don't have to keep any results they don't like if they don't want their character to be only four foot tall <laughs> let them uh redo it and then as that goes on they start to get more and more into it some people can be intimidated by the lack of structure that creativity can sometimes appear to have like it's it's so vo- if you're given an opportunity to do whatever you want some people get intimidated by that that freedom. So introducing some of the, these tables and and rule sets from Dungeons and Dragons can help limit that. It's like, right. Okay. Like your character can be anything, but we're only going to pick from these sort of like six options. So just roll, roll a six sided dice and see what one you get. 
And then, okay, your character's going to have blonde hair. And, and then just go from that. And then they start to stretch that and add more things. It's like, okay, I don't want my character to just have blonde hair. They're going to have blonde hair with a pink streak in it. And, you know, maybe it's, it's all shaved on one side and it, it fleshes out as they relax and get into it more and realize that, you know, nothing bad is going to happen. They're not going to be judged for this. You get to, you can do what you want and, you know, it's no, it's a, it's a safe space to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I think with D and D it is just because you've got so many, um, different personalities across such diverse range of people playing it. it is like you say, it's a complete safe space. I always feel comfortable and welcomed whenever I'm in a session. That's good. That's what we, that's what we want. That's what we're aiming for. Thank you, Tom. Are there any things you want to promote while you're on the podcast? Uh, yeah. So if there is anybody listening that wants to, uh, give these things a go, um, then, you know, feel free to, to drop me an email and I'm more than happy to, um, even just have a chat about it. Or if you want to me to run sort of like a introduction game of any sort of tabletop or role-playing game, then, you know, feel free. Also on Wednesdays from half 12 in the pod, we're currently running a sort of like tabletop gaming group for students and staff. If you want to pop down and have a go and learn to play something new or something that you already know how to play and you want to teach it to some other people and just roll some dice or something, then yeah, come along. Tom, it's been great having you on the podcast. I think a lot of people who both have played D&D or similar games or maybe have no clue what it is will resonate with this and take a lot from the imagination and creativity that comes along with it well thank you very much for, for having me on guys it's been, it's been awesome if you'd like to be on the podcast send us an email we're digital learning at bdc.ac.uk we'll be back in two weeks with another podcast episode Thank you, Tom. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> BDC&D podcast is a new series featuring staff at Barking Dagon College in epic adventures in Dungeons & Dragons. Join us as we roleplay in a fantasy world that you can be a part of. Contact Tom Mudd for details. <laughs>